Hello, and welcome to Sacred Adventure Begin, an inquisitive space where we explore topics like gaining wisdom, travel, yoga, meditation, dance, art, and following our soul-guided paths. I'm your host, Emily, from gettingintoit.com, and together we'll focus on enjoying, sharing, and interpreting our sacred adventures and how to embody these lessons in our daily lives. Let's begin. Alrighty. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Sacred Adventure Begin. Um, Today, I am talking to a fellow artist and um, entrepreneur named Roxanne Brodeur Young, and she is the creator of InvisiblePractices.com. I so admire her and her work so, so, so much, especially her fiber art. Uh, But in this episode, we really get into it about creativity and the relationship between ideas and creating and entering into flow and spirituality. And it's a really beautiful episode that I'm really, really excited to share with you. And I know I just use really, a really, really, really lot. (laughs) cracking myself up over here. Um, But I describe myself on my website as a multifaceted creatrix. And I use those terms because I was looking for a femme positive way to say creator. Um, And multifaceted in that my creativity doesn't flow into just one area. And I, I feel like there's this thing that happens for us as creative people where um, we think that we have to focus and that we can't have many interests or um, what is kind of bad (laughs) that I think a lot of people can relate to is that we think that we have to be good at everything we do. So we don't just allow our creativity to flow and we can't just experience or experiment with new things because we're constantly trying to convince ourselves that um, all those things need to be evaluated the way that maybe we learned to evaluate things when we were in school or the way that we want to value the things that we consume right so I'm not going to pay money for something I don't like and so therefore everything that I want to make creatively has to be something that someone would potentially pay for which is really limiting and very limiting of our creative potential and of who we can be and so if you're listening to this episode I hope that you get a little inspiration in terms of what's possible when you enter into creative flow and then you start just sort of having a big deep breath and a nice exhale and relaxing into the idea that you too are a multifaceted creatrix. Hey! (laughs) And that it's possible for you to allow your ideas to flow into, you know, sewing um, or crafting or um, working on a car or designing your next home or it doesn't even have to be, sorry, I think I've named a bunch of things that I think we think of as traditionally feminine, uh, which isn't, um, I'm not trying to say that creativity only flows in that direction. For example, you could be very creative with numbers. <laughs> Don't be creative with the numbers on your taxes or you're going to get in trouble with the IRS. But, <laughs> um, you know, how you think 
about how an equation and then how um, how you arrange things so that they have meaning. That is a creative process. Uh, how you plan something, that is a creative process. So creativity can go a lot, a lot, a lot of different ways. And um, the more that we can allow for it to flow and not stop it with uh, our desire for it or some kind of standard that we've been taught uh, needs to occur. So many, so many times in drawing courses, just convincing students that they can learn to draw after they feel like uh, they've tried so many times and it never looks like what they're looking at or they feel disappointed with their own skill or whatever has been such a uphill battle. But then once they recognize and, and get a little information about the confidence builds and they open up and they start exploring and it's such a wonderful thing to be part of that type of practice and it's something that I think we all need in our daily lives. So before we get into the interview, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Roxanne because she's kind of amazing. Roxanne is a facilitator, fiber artist, and designer. She offers workshops and programs on a variety of subjects from learning the creation cycle, making, being sacred, befriending your shadow through the tarot, building intuition through energy essences, and natural dyes workshops. So cool. I have to tell you, she is an amazing fiber artist and she creates these like wearables that I love so much. And you can find them on her website and her shop. They're super cool. They're made out of silk. They're gorgeous. Anyway, um, her passion is working with others to encourage poetic connection to and development of relationships with human and non-human world. So I'm going to assume the natural world, but also the world in which we exist isn't always, you know, animated. Anyway, she works with natural fibers, plant, and procyon dyes inspired by the seasonal colors. As a perpetual student of herbal and astrological medicine, Roxanne works closely with the local plants to develop a relationship to fully appreciate and utilize their energetic and physical medicine. She portrays her personal lessons and messages in her art through color, images, and poetry. She harvests local plants from her private garden and community, which is amazing. She lives and works between San Fran and the tiny historic town of Isselton. Iselton. I'm sure some somebody who listens who's from California is like clapping on the other end like no neither one <laughs> on the Sacramento Delta. You can follow along on Instagram by following at invisible practices. Roxanne also holds her BA and MA in poetry from San Francisco State University in 2008. She continuously works on deepening her relationship with her intuition and the natural world through music, tarot, and various forms of cartomancy, communing with plants, herbal medicine, astrology, and metaphor. And those, I think, listener, you're going to be so excited to hear how she ties them all together and how they all connect her to uh, her spiritual being and her awareness. So I'm super excited to get into this interview. Here we go. Hello, Roxanne Young, and welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. I'm very excited and honored to be here. It's so cool to have a fellow artist and also a soul entrepreneur uh, to talk to today. So can you um, start by telling the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? 
Yes. I wasn't exactly sure how to answer this question if I should like start from the beginning, <laughs> but I'll just kind of like give you a quick little uh, tidbit of where I am now. And I'm Roxanne. Um, I live in a tiny town in California off the Sacramento Delta. I'm about an hour from San Francisco and 45 minutes from Sacramento. And um, I stay home with my son who's seven and my husband who is typically working in San Francisco, but he is home now because of the whole COVID um, thing. Mm -hmm. But I spend a lot, so I spend a lot of my time with them and I also work with natural dyes, natural fibers um, for the past like four years. I've been running my business. It started as Roxanne Roxanne Designs where I'm basically dye natural fibers and make clothing and some other products like eye pillows and things. Um, and I would say about a year ago, I decided to um, transition more and focus more on um, some one-on-one -on -one, uh, remote. Well, I, it used to be in person, but now it's, it's all just remote, um, like intuitive counseling sessions. I use tarot. I use some Reiki. Um, and other like divination cards um, and oracle cards. And also really focusing now on offering um, community supportive workshops slash programs slash practices. I'm not exactly sure how to um, word it quite yet, but um, I just find that I really love working with people and especially right now um, so many of us need that like live community support so um, yeah that's really what I'm focusing on right now and have the flexibility to do that because my husband is home which is a blessing and a curse but, um, <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like everyone's saying that during COVID, like people yeah. who aren't in relationships are like, why, why, why am I so lonely? And people who are in relationships are like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> how can I get some alone space? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful because he is very supportive in what I do and I have a art studio in Sacramento. So a couple days a week, I'll drive into SAC and work at my studio. Um, and I also do some native, uh, native gardening, more like maintenance for my sister who has a native garden, gardening landscape company in Sacramento. So it's great because it's a nice break for me to go and I get to work at my studio. I spend the night at my sister's. I get to work in the gardens and not be on the internet and, yes oh my gosh um, in Preach. my head yeah yeah so it's it is you know and of course we would i would love him to be working but it's also nice that he can be home and stay home with my son and help do the homeschool and and do all the stuff so yeah that is 
Incredible. I have so many questions just based on that. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Actually, let's kind of start with how you got into this type of work. Like, what does your background look like? So I've always wanted to be creative. That's like something that has just been in my brain for so long. Um, and, but never felt like I was. Um, and I would say even though I, I was, but it's just like, I, I don't know, I wasn't allowing myself to like accept that about me. Mm-hmm. But um, really, like, this all started, I would say, after I had my son in 2013. Um, I quit my teaching job. I was teaching English as a second language to adults in San Francisco. And I had gone to college. I got a degree in poetry again, because like I knew I wanted to do something creative, Uh but I uh, felt, so I felt like writing, like getting a degree in writing or poetry. I actually wasn't intending to do poetry. I started just like, okay, I'm going to do creative writing. Um, and I just sort of followed my heart into poetry, but I felt like, okay, but it's, it's a practical thing too, because if you can learn to write well, then you can like get a good job. Right. So, um, (laughs) that was, that was my thinking. It was always like, what's, but I want to do this. My heart says this, but what's the practical thing to do? So, um, that led me into, uh, teaching English as a second language. And then after I had my son in 2013, it wasn't practical for me to go back to work part-time teaching and pay for, um, you know, daycare. So it was, and we just wanted to be home with my kid. And so I, you know, as much time as it took to be with my son, I had a lot of like flexibility and time to just be with myself and what do I want to do and what do I love? Like when he was napping, it started with crochet. So I had been crocheting and then that turned into embroidery and then that turned into like fiber, fiber jewelry. And I started playing around with dyeing the ropes. So I was using like cotton, um, cotton rope to make these like big statement pieces. And I, after moving out here in Isleton, from San Francisco in like 2015 there, we had a garden, we had a yard, um, walking around my neighborhood. I noticed these like plants that were growing wild and we have a lot of fields, just like empty fields that have like all these baby oak trees and yellow dock and, um, sagebrush and just different things. So I ended up, um, playing around with plant dyes so you can tell that I'm a Gemini right now because <laughs> I just go from like one thing to the next. If something like interests me, then I just like, oh, I want to try that. So then that got me into like herbal medicine and just for me and my family, like empowering ourselves to, you know, have our own medicine at home. So I started working with plants a little bit more and I even took a uh, flower essence for self-care course with Sarah Chapel um, a couple years ago, which was amazing, and learning more about like the energy of plants. Um, And that was extremely fascinating to me. And I started getting more interested in like energy work, all while I, you know, 
was still like making my products for Roxanne, Roxanne designs and um, clothing and things. And then that's kind of like what led me to where I am now, which is wanting to combine those two things, like the create, the creativity, the creative process um, with um, just becoming more present and um, enjoying, you know, daily life, ritualizing daily life, like just integrating these two things in my life um, and feeling like I'm connected and grounded and like on the path I want to be and not expecting things to be different than they are, um, trusting my path and um, I think I'm not sure if I answered your question. I you, feel like I totally went off. No. Tangent. Oh my gosh. Everything you just said was so perfect because, and I, I think that a lot of people relate like creativity mm -hmm. is such a broad idea. Yeah. And actually I hear a lot of people like, I mean, even when I was just a professor, like people would come into my drawing class and they'd be like, I'm here because I want to like engage with art, but I'm terrible. I'm mm -hmm. terrible at drawing or I'm, I'm not, I'm not creative. Oh my God. If I gave you a dollar for every time an artist yep. said yeah, that to wow. me and it's, I think that there's this really interesting dynamic that happens socially between, um, and also in us. I love that you're uh -huh. a Gemini, by the way, <laughs> I, I have a Gemini in one of my main houses. Actually, I think it's my rising. Okay. But, wow. <laughs> so I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, um, the dualism for yeah. listeners who maybe are like Jim and I, what, oh my God, what are they talking about? Like <laughs> the, <laughs> the twins. Um, but people who are Jim and I tend to deal um, with and tend to be very engaged with uh, um, paradoxes and opposites. Mm -hmm. And um, what you were just speaking to, I thought was so beautiful. And I have some questions for you about it because I think that creativity is often opposite of a plan. And there's a dynamic between the creative, which also involves flow and yes. receptivity and yes. the, the plan, which is about structure. And oftentimes mm -hmm. they can work really well hand in hand. Like if the um, creativity, like if there's a structure and then you're allowed to flow within the structure. So the structure mm. becomes the holder for mm -hmm. the like water sort of energy of creativity, but also mm. it can become the oppressor of the creativity. Mm -hmm. and so when I was listening to you talk about like, I always knew I wanted to be creative, mm -hmm. but then I was trying to find like, right. The safe path. Yeah. And so you took the desire to be creative and you, you tried to put a plan on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I, I feel like so many listeners are probably there. And in fact, yeah. like, this is what I struggled with when I became an academic artist mm -hmm. and I went to grad school is that, um, my art then had a plan and I needed to figure yeah. out how it fit in the overall structure of art in the U S and I could right. go on and on and on and on. And all of those things were very bad for me actually. And how I use my creativity and they're great yeah. for other people, just not for me. So, um, in recognizing that it has opened up so many flows in my life. And it sounds like that's what happened with you. You were like, okay, so I, I did, I did the system. Yeah. And 
then I just started getting curious and saying like, what could I make? And you did the crochet. I love that that led you to embroidery, fiber, Mm -hmm. jewelry, and then the dyes. And then Mm -hmm. also where you were located, your space led you to the things that you're using for your dyes. It's just so incredible that you flowed that way. Yeah. And, and that flow is so important because like, I think that's what I want to really focus on and finding that flow in daily life. Um, And I just feel like so many of us make decisions out of fear. Mm -hmm. And if we were to be able to like find or just know the feeling of that flow. And so when we get into it, whether if it's like making, you know, quote unquote art or just like doing the dishes or going to the grocery store or making dinner or like hanging out with your kid or spending time at home, you know, like getting out of this, this feeling of like, I have to be doing something for the system, right? I have Mm -hmm. to be getting somewhere as a, and, and that's a lot of like what I've learned over the last few years is like releasing this urgency to be somewhere I'm not and like allowing when I do sit down and sew or die like allowing it to flow you know and and not having trying not to have that plan because anytime I do try to plan anything it turns out like (laughs) shit anyways so I learned to just like that's how I work you know and sometimes I feel like well maybe I should have a plan but I just sort of like let it lead me uh-huh. Sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, but that's okay. Like, but you always learn something when it doesn't too. Yes, absolutely. So there's always like that little gold nugget in there. Um, yeah. Which is, I think, so beautiful and such like a huge takeaway. Like it, it's so impressive that you kind of like got to where you are now with that. Mm. Um, I'm really curious actually about your clothing line. You said it's called mm-hmm. Roxanne Roxanne. Well, it it was for, that's how it started out was Roxanne, Roxanne Designs. Um, And then I think it's been about a year I've shifted it into invisible practices. So it's Mm -hmm. all, and that was something last year I was working on was like, how do these two things uh, integrate? How do they, you know, connect like this energy, um, space? spiritual work although I I sometimes hesitate calling it spiritual but it it's just like a human work Uh um, or practice and my actual like physical creations you know like how to integrate those two things um so yeah that it, it it's called invisible practices now but it did start out as Roxanne Roxanne designs I love that. So um, I, I was perusing your goods mm-hmm. <laughs> on your website. I love the tops. And actually, um, for the listeners, we're doing this on a Zoom call, and I saw some of them hanging in the background um, behind Roxanne. So I'm curious, are you sewing those yourself? Are you designing those yourself? So you do yeah. the pie. I do it all. Yeah. Wow. I, um, I mean, it's definitely been, there's been a lot of learning curves and Um, but yeah, I mean, I will get yardage of usually silk or cotton. Um, I love working with raw silk because Mm -hmm. it takes the dyes so well. Um, and I'll dye them and then, 
uh, yeah. And then, so, um, I got a serger a few years ago and that oh was my a gosh. game changer. <laughs> it's serger is a total game changer. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Oh, yes to all of that. It makes such mm -hmm. a big difference when you're using, when you're working with silk too. Yeah. And that, that is something that I don't really have a plan again. Like I don't use patterns. There have been times where I've like, you know, made my own really simple pattern for like a cape or something just mm -hmm. to make it easier for me to make, you know, the same size over and over. But a lot of the time, depending it how depending on how much fabric I have left, um, depends on what I end up making. And at this point in the process of this area of my business, I have a lot of scraps. Mm -hmm. So this year I've really been focusing on like um, patchwork and just patching all of these scraps together. And um, I really love the way they're turning out as opposed to just like, you know, making one piece with one, um, with one die. So it's, it just feels more creative to me. It definitely gets me in the flow and um, again, there's no plan. <laughs> yeah. But that, but there's beautiful, like genius in that too. Mm. Like I have to tell you this because, um, it always makes me giggle, but uh, my friend Colin, who I know listens to the podcast, I'm going to call her out right now. <laughs> um, and I, we both sew oh, and nice. like a lot, especially for, for ourselves and, and vintage and alterations, oh. but also, I create patterns <laughs> mm -hmm. and she follows them and oh, wow. we had this really, no, she doesn't follow my pattern. She follows patterns. Like when she's going to okay. make something and she, she's very creative about how she does it, but she's, mm -hmm. she's very much operating from that like analytical side. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to do it this way. It says to do it this way. And we were laughing the other day because we, we got together and we were working on a pants pattern together mm -hmm. and we had bought the same pattern. And I had my pattern, like I just opened it up, threw it down, uh, like laid it out because I, I'm very aware of how the fabrics need to stretch for my body and like mm -hmm. what adjustments need to be made for my body. <laughs> mm -hmm. And within two hours, I had a pair of pants and she had ironed her pattern and hadn't even cut wow. out the pattern. Oh, wow. <laughs> and we, we had this moment where she was like, I couldn't do it that fast because I don't have the innate knowledge from having done it so many times. Cause I'll, mm. I do a ton of them and quickly. Yeah. And, and, and intuitively, and she works very much like I need the recipe. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there's that, like also that really interesting dynamic. And I think it's, I yeah. think it's so beautiful that you said that you like work without patterns. Cause that's a superpower. Most people are terrified by that. It is, but you know, it, it is. And I think to, to have a great balance, you know, with anything is key, right? Yeah. Like I, I think my ability to be more intricate and would be from like, using patterns and, you know, like making darts and, mm -hmm. um, putting in zippers, which I actually just did my first one like a few weeks ago and I was super excited. Um, <laughs> I hate zippers. You know, <laughs> I've been scared. I was scared for so long and it was actually way easier than I thought. So it's definitely good, like for me to challenge myself, like 
it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Um, but that's just how I work. Yep. So I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm just going to accept that about myself. Like I can't sit there and nitpick everything. I will drive myself crazy and hate what I'm doing. Yes. And in fact, I hated sewing for many, many years because I would mess so many things up. I, you know, I can't, I just, that's not how my brain works to follow patterns and, and to, to, to do it that way. I just like, for me to enjoy what I'm doing is to just like let it go. And I do get frustrated at times when something just turns out horribly, but then I save it and I use it for something later. And you know, like it usually comes back around. That's um, so profound. Well, I think everybody who's ever tried sewing and for listeners who have never <laughs> tried sewing at some point you sew a seam together and you sewed mm. the um, outside of the fabric uh, on the inside or the inside of the fabric on the oh, outside yes. and then oh, you've yes. sewed it to another part. <laughs> and, <sighs> and that's actually like that moment when you did that, it, mm. br it brings your attention to how the thing actually goes together. And yeah. then the, those who are willing to make mistakes, you don't make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. Or if you do, you realize like, this is the time, at least in my experience, like to stop to pause mm -hmm. to give myself a break because when i start doing that those kind of little mistakes i'm in this place where i'm just like too wrapped up or you know i just need to like to give myself that break if whether it's like five or ten minutes go drink some water like have a have a walk around the block whatever it is or just like come back to the project in a couple days like that's some, that's been a hard lesson that I've learned over the last few years of that like creative cycle of just like being inspired, doing the thing, and then allowing yourself to like take a break and a pause before, instead of just trying to like push through and keep, cause what would happen to me is I would just like keep making those mistakes over and over and get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. That's such good advice too. And that's also like, just understanding that like when you're able to go with the flow and yeah. realize like, okay, I may have had this time to make this, but I'm going to step away now and do something else. Yeah. For, for my own sake. Yeah. And I think it's hard for us, for a lot of us, not everybody to realize when you're in that situation, you know, and this could be with anything with work, with like, you know, an argument you're having with your partner or your kid, like to, to, to just be aware that like, okay, I need to stop and, and not like immediately try to find the solution, find the answers, you know, resolve this, finish this product. I think there's so much like urgency in our society mm -hmm. to, to have the result right away. Mm -hmm. And I've been like, you know, that's, I, this is something I've been working on for a while and finally sort of like coming to a nice practice with um, where I can just be like, okay, I don't need to finish this today or I can step away from this conversation and come back to it. You know? Yeah. That, that's like such great advice <laughs> for creatives, but also for anyone who is experiencing that sense of urgency to know that they can step back and, and have a moment. Yeah. 
Um, I also loved when you were talking and, and I kind of want to shift and talk a little bit about this, but, um, you said something about, um, finding rituals in the everyday. Mm. And I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on that a little bit more as well. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I wanted to say also that I love the name of your podcast, Sacred Adventure, because that kind of ties in with ritualizing every day, um, making, and this is a theme for my upcoming um, program in October is like making being sacred. So Mm. sacred adventure, like our lives, daily lives are sacred. Our existence is sacred. You know, we are, all of us are artists. We are all creative. And I think this creativity and being an artist, you know, gets put on these like super talented people. But like, that's when I say like ritualizing every day, it's like having that appreciation and love for like an art art piece that you love or a piece of music that you love having that love and appreciation for yourself, for your life every day. And that can look like so many different things, but you know, one of it could be like sitting or standing and doing the dishes, you know, just like being present, being in the appreciation of that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, this would be like a practice, a daily practice. Um, You know, it could be like making yourself a nice meal. And instead of just like chopping, the vegetables and doing whatever you do like really quickly and try and you know it's it's about like being present and um and just like connecting with that sacredness connecting with that magic of who we are every day um i think that is something that i want to integrate into my daily life and have been working on um and would love to like help people integrate into their lives. Um, Yeah. You know, it could look like lighting a candle and having the crystals and, you know, doing all the things like that. But, but I also want this to be like, I want people that don't associate with like being a witch that don't associate that are identify themselves as being an artist to know that they are all of those things or, you know, without the labels, like I don't really like labels, but just to have that like richness in their life, to have that magic in their life um, every day. That's beautiful. I love, I love that too. Um, What it sounds to me like you're saying, and I might be projecting a lot on this, but (laughs) (laughs) But it's the um, bringing of the awareness to mm-hmm. the action that you're doing mm-hmm. in the present moment that really creates the ritual around it. Absolutely. And the intention mm-hmm. that you bring by that awareness. The intention and the attention. Yes, oh, absolutely. Yes. Those, whatever you put your attention on is what is going to be your reality, right? Oh, so being yes. that awareness, exactly. <laughs> of where your attention is and where your intention is. Like when I think of intention, I think of something almost like in the future or like, you know, 
I think, and I think of attention maybe as like more present, mm-hmm. um, but they definitely go together and, and that awareness around that is so important because it's so easy to just like wake up, check your phone, have your coffee, go to work, you know, and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff because we have to, you know, that's just how we live, but bringing that awareness in, um, slowing down, allowing yourself to just be that sake, making being sacred, you know, reading a book for pleasure. Like, yeah, for some reason, that's so hard for me to do. It's always like to learn, to grow, to, you know, to, it's like this, I don't know, just to allow yourself to just be, um, Mm -hmm. that's something that I've had a hard time with over my life. And yeah, so that's what I'm focusing on and working on. Oh, I love that so much. But the other, like, I think that this like lives out in your life because Mm. for example, if you were on, after you moved, you're on a walk with your son Mm. and that's when you notice the, the flowers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so when you're bringing the attention, occasionally you will find an intention. (laughs) Yes. In, in, it doesn't have to be like attention. Like I'm going to make every second of my life sacred, which right honestly sounds great, but I think that would be really hard. I, yeah. I, I can't bring that kind of focus to every single moment of my life and nor do right. I want to. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I need to just go to the RMV and get my license renewed Yes, <laughs> and stand in the line and not yes. like, and sometimes I just got to do the things that I have to do to, to live. But right. like other things I want to take moments and, and make them restorative or take moments and make them creative. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like I, I think that that is like what, how you, how you came upon your business. Yeah. And, and I think it, it is easy for us, for people, again, speaking from my experience to not look back at like where, what I have done or where, what I have accomplished or where I've come from or just where I am now. Um, my friend uh, last year or so was telling me, she was listening to a podcast that they were talking about a ta-da list as opposed to like a to-do list. A ta-da? Yeah. You know, like what, like to, to appreciate like what you have done and where, you know, like just be aware of like what, what, who you are and what you do and like, you know, how far you've come and just different things like, like that. Cause it's easy to forget that and always kind of like have a focus of the future yep. and what you want and not what you have already. So it's a practice, you know, and I think it's a lifelong practice. I don't think there's a, a place you get to where everything just kind of aligns. Like I used to think that I think in my twenties, I used to think that I would like get to this sweet spot and everything would just be like, you know, perfect or sweet or whatever it is. And you know, that's just not how life works. It's very cyclical and this is just, this is our life. So just to be able to, go through those cycles as easily as possible and like get through the contractions maybe a little bit quicker than you might have before or more easily. Um, 
you know, that's, that's all I really want. And, and to like be okay with those problems or issues or contractive situations to be like, okay, I can learn from this, you know, and I can grow from this and not just expect everything to be like perfect. And if something does go wrong, it's not like the end of the world, you know, but that's, I think you just described stepping into your power because it, mm. it isn't that you, it, that you expect life to be this like shining, glowy fairy tale. It's that mm-hmm. you understand that no matter what you experience, you bring yes. the sweetness to it. You are the Absolutely. sweetness, like your yeah. awareness is and, and how you deal with it and, and what kind of pivots you make, which yeah, I think. I really do. I, it's so impressive listening to you talk and hearing like mm, thank you. <laughs> hearing everything that you have um, gotten into and taught mm. yourself because I think a lot of people stop at the like at the fear-based moment where where they they're they're getting ready to enter the flow. The flow mm-hmm. scares them and it scares mm-hmm. them because there's no plan in it. <laughs> yes. And so they they never actually get to the point where they're understanding that every moment is sweet. Like, yeah, it's just scary, actually. So yeah, yeah. And the big decisions, the big shifts in my my life and my business, um, I definitely have gotten to that point where I'm like, at this point, and I get scared. And right now, you know, you and I are in this like program together, and I'm so grateful for the community, for the folks I can reach out to and have that, you know, like accountability, have that support to be like, okay, I can get through this (laughs) because being alone in some kind of creative project you're in or some kind of like shift you're in or, you know, just daily life, it's hard for me to, if I don't have somebody I can talk to or like bounce ideas off of or, you know, it's, it's really hard for me. That's again, how I work is like, I need to communicate. I need that, that support from other people. Yeah. Community's huge. Yeah. And for the listeners who may not know, Roxanne and I are in a program called the launch incubator by Sarah M. Chapel. And it, it helps soulful entrepreneurs <laughs> or people who are, are making um, services or wanting to launch classes, um, that that are of service and benefit um the community uh, help them do it in a way that isn't um how do you say destructive destructively capitalistic <laughs> yes yeah so, uh, like in, in a way that's authentic and and really like beautiful yeah. so yeah that is how we found each other and yes. actually it's i honestly like everything you're saying <laughs> And, and how you are making and thinking about things is so, um, close to what I think and feel about a lot of them. And I hope that this is okay that I ask you this. I don't know if you like, cause I didn't, I don't think I saw it on your website or not, but you Mm -hmm. have, you have a musical album. So like, in addition to being a creative, like visual artist, a, um, like a dye maker, a gardener, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also a seamstress. <laughs> yes. You, you also make music. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are you willing to share that with the listeners? I will. Yes, for yeah. sure. Um, I will say that the, my solo album, um, 
came out, I think in like 2015. So it's been five years. Um, it was after my son was born. I think he was about two, but I had written about 90% of those songs um, when I was living by myself in Oakland. Um, I had lots of time um, to myself and it had been a couple years after um, an old boyfriend of mine of like f over four years had passed away. And so I think it was just this time for me to, to write and process and like record this album and, and sort of have that be like a, I, I don't know if I want to say project, but just like this thing that I needed to do in like my healing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had been playing in a band for about seven years before that I was playing the drums. We were called the Sandwiches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was me and two other incredibly talented and beautiful women, um, Heidi and Grace. And we played for about seven years. I, I went in and out of the band a couple times just because of time and fear and other things in my life. But um, that was an incredibly rich experience for me. And then also doing this album. And, and when I did record it, you know, I said my son was about two and I had my friend Camilla play the accordion and my sister played some guitar and my husband played a little trumpet. And it was great and such a great experience. We played a couple shows after that. Um, but I just sort of realized with everything else on my plate, it wasn't something that I had like the priority for to, to continue playing music, at least like, and writing songs. Like mm -hmm. I do pick up the guitar at home and anytime I do when my, when my son is home, he uh, pretty much like gets annoyed and wants me to stop. So it's hard <laughs> to do that. And it's hard to make it a priority. I have so many other things that I'm doing that I definitely am not like an active musician, nor have I ever really thought of myself as a musician, but, um, it's, it, at this point in my life, I'm looking at it as like this beautiful experience. I had such an amazing community of people in in San Francisco that I truly cherish and miss. Um, but at this point in my life, it's not really like something I do actively. Right. Um, but it doesn't and, have to be. It's, it's just yeah. beautiful that that exists. Yeah. And I've had to come to terms with that. Like I've definitely, you know, been like, I want to play music again, you know, play music again. But like, I think I just realized like, I can't do it all. No, you know, as much yeah. as I would like to, I just can't. And especially right now, like my number one priority is being there for my son. He's seven. He's going to, it's already gone so fast. Like I want to cherish this time and spend quality time as much as I can. Because when I first started my business too, it was this constant, like any chance I had I would take to like work on my website or go sew or, you know, do, do the things you have to do. There's like never ending list. Mm -hmm. And I would say a year or two ago, I finally just was like, I have to let go of that and be okay with my business not being 
farther along than I feel like it should be, or, you know, I'm not making as much money as I think I should be. Um, so I just sort of like surrendered to that and, um, yeah, I'm okay with that because I want to look back at my life and know that like I went to the parks and the parties and just cuddled on the couch and did the things that are really going to matter to me at the end of my life. Yeah. So I love that. I was going to ask you how you manage all the facets of your life. <laughs> yeah. It's but not think, easy. <laughs> yeah. I actually think that that really addressed that because when yeah. you're stepping into your creativity, right. Mm -hmm. um, you do begin to understand that your attention and your awareness is what makes the creative thing happen. Yeah. And then you also understand that that is a, it, I'm going to go ahead and say finite, like the mm. amount of, um, attention I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and also the amount of attention I'm willing to give, um, yeah. it, at least for me in, mm -hmm. in this, in this current state, cause I, I, I want to be careful with how I use the term finite, but mm. I, I like to think of it as I like, I want to put it certain places and I make choices, which then create my reality. And I love that you just said that, that you've recognized that one of your highest values is like being emotionally present, yeah. uh, in, in your life and all the aspects of your life, but also, especially with, with your family. And that is, I think a, a really big deal kind of thing to be able to, it is. It, yeah. And it's not super easy. Again, it like, there's tension and things, you know, but I am aware of that. So the awareness is there and the attention is usually there, but I've definitely been working with like releasing this sense of urgency, which I feel like comes from our capitalistic society of like, mm -hmm. and, and especially like looking at social media and feeling like, Oh my gosh, I need to be farther along. Like look at all these these successful people, this is working for them, but it's not working for me. You know, it's like, so releasing that urgency, that grasp mm -hmm. onto the urgency. Um, I have this, this image and I even made a tiny shrinky dink of it. Oh my God. <laughs> I love this a, so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> The Chinese finger trap toy, you know, where like you stick your fingers in and when you pull, yeah, it gets tighter. Yeah. And so you actually have to like release it. Yeah, you have to go together to be able to come apart. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and so that's like, that's the big lesson I've been learning the last few years is like just releasing that tightness, that grasp on what I want and like allowing it to flow, trusting that like when I get that sense of urgency, I have to be like, okay, I, I, this is actually the way it's supposed to be. Like, I trust that this is okay. And it does help me and my inside my body, like feel better. And my son actually was at an arcade last year and he got a bunch of tokens and he went to the like area where he can get a bunch of toys. And he brought me back one of those Chinese finger traps. I was like, here, mom, I got this for you. Oh my God. Cause I had <laughs> been talking to him about it. So it was a poignant moment. Um, but yeah, that's so beautiful. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I know. I also like that you stop to listen to the shoulds because I mm. think there's like yeah. massive lessons in them for us. Yeah. Like as we're 
learning to be okay with who we are. Um, yes. That looking at them also helps us understand like what it is that we need. Yeah. So, yeah. I think working with the tarot and like, you know, at, forming the questions, like what, where, what should I focus on? You know, just learning like that's not, that's not the right questions to be asking. It's like, so yeah, just working. It's again, it's been a process, a learning process. Yeah. Well, actually, since you mentioned tarot, let's talk about mm-hmm. tarot. <laughs> okay. So, um, I know on your website that you have like, so you have your clothing line, mm-hmm. but I also saw that you have like other offerings like tarot and yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you like talk a little bit about how you, well, since you brought up the questions, like what is a good question for tarot? <laughs> I mean, some of them would be like, um, what do I need to know? That's something I use a lot. In fact, I was just using it last night, but what do I need to know about, you know, whatever it is, like my relationship and which is very open-ended or this project that I'm working on and, and just sort of like keeping it open and Mm -hmm. seeing what comes, um, to let the cards sort of guide that, um, you know, getting specific too is always helpful. Like the more specific you can get, then the answers will be more more specific. Um, just, you know, I actually can't think of any else. Off yeah, the top no, of my I, head, that was but... like a weird, I guess a weird question. Um, I think maybe, can you talk kind of about how you work with people or how you work with people with tarot or like what you, what you got going on girl? <laughs> yeah. So usually when I do readings, um, I mean, I was doing some, a lot of like pop-ups in town in mostly in Sacramento, a few in, in San Francisco. Um, and so I would be, you know, in person with somebody and, what I love to do is when a card gets pulled before I start talking about the card and what, you know, the traditional symbolism is means um, I show the card to the client and whether they know, I'd actually prefer them not to know anything about tarot and (laughs) just let them, because when they do, then they just basically like repeat what they've learned about that card or Mm -hmm. their experience of the card but you know I want them to interpret the card through their intuition and that could just be like what and a lot of it is just like how does this card make you feel like focusing on the feelings of Mm -hmm. what the cards bring up Um, because I also work with a Lenormand deck which is a lot smaller of a deck Yeah. yeah and a lot more kind of straightforward. Like there's not as much symbology in it typically. Um, So like the images, you know, if you get an image of a house, like what does that mean to you? Because if Mm -hmm. I get that card, that's going to mean something completely different to me, most likely. So again, a lot of what I do is like how, how the client um, interprets and, and help them to, trust what's coming to them and trust their intuition and some pretty profound things come out like there was a woman um I think I can talk about this (laughs) but just don't use her name (laughs) yeah I don't even know it um (laughs) 
she, I think was just like, I've never gotten a tarot reading. This just sounded like fun. So she pulled the, um, I think it was the four of cups and there's like three cups standing up and then one sort of like sitting on a cloud Mm-hmm. And it made her think about this um, child that she had given up years and years ah. and years ago. So it had nothing to do with like the traditional symbolism of the card, but this was something that wanted to come out at that time and how she felt um, as a mother. And, you know, like, I don't know, it just went really, it went in this way that couldn't have ever gone had I just been like, well, this is what, you know, traditionally this card means. So that's really how I like to do it. It's not really a traditional reading, I guess, but um, it's a little bit harder when I do it over the phone. When I do Zoom calls, I can show the card to the people, but um, yeah. So yeah, just very intuitive. I actually think that 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 is the original traditional Mm way of mm. of dealing with the cards because the mm-hmm. images were there to evoke uh, a response in yeah and to to evoke a story or a situation in a society where most people were illiterate like if you mm. think about tarot wow, going like okay. all the way all the way back to its origin mm. um that's that's how we get those images and those stories yeah. so i think it's interesting you say that i i didn't know that but i feel like almost to have to know what these cards mean. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's important to have that foundation, Mm -hmm. but I also feel like it's a way to keep it like almost like monetized or like separate from others, like Mm -hmm. inaccessible to others to Mm -hmm. monetize it. Yeah. um, To take power away from people that might not have studied it for years because to be honest there's so many interpretations of each card and like (laughs) my brain wants to know all of them but like I can't know all of them so I finally got to a point where I was like I'm not even gonna try Mm -hmm. like I just wanted to throw my cards away because it just wasn't really working for me to try to be like okay this is what this means like it, it just again feels so much better to just like go get into the flow and like feel the cards out. So oh, yeah. that's awesome. I didn't know about that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And it's so interesting too. I like to, well, since we're talking about tarot, <laughs> yeah. I, I like to imagine how I would feel if I were sitting, standing or posed the way that any of the characters and mm. any of the images are, because mm-hmm. that tells me physically in my body, what emotional state we're dealing with in the image. Wow. And I, I find that that has also been really profound for like clients too, which is kind of, Mm. I I love that you, I love that you had that experience and that that happened with the four of cups. That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 So, um, what other offerings do you have going on right now? Well, those are it at this point. Um, I am working on these, um, on this three to six week, um, program coming out in October. Um, I do have on my website a, can I talk about the freebie? Hell yeah. (laughs) Tell people what they can get, Get what they can come get. (laughs) Um, I have a, 
because that was something I had been doing too, was working with essences. And I actually was inspired by Sarah Chapel yet again um, to, to work with essences with my clients. So like we would create a flower essence or an energy essence together, or like I would create it with them either in person or on the phone. And they would take this tool home with them to utilize and to fortify the work that we had done in the session. So um, I basically made this like mini ebook um, that you can download for free on my website. There's like a little banner at the top of the website when you're on the front page. And it just talks about like what an energy essence is, how to work with it, how to make one, um, a couple ways to attune to it. And it's really just a way to practice um, accessing and expanding your intuition, um, your trust in your body and your body's wisdom. Um, and also like I was kind of talking to you earlier, like releasing that sense of urgency of like, I need an answer from this right now. And if I don't get it, I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. So being not being on this like timeline, like urgent timeline of like, if I'm going to be intuitive, I need answers right away. Like I really, um, cherish the metaphor and, and like noticing metaphor out in life. And like, sometimes images will come to me and like, for example, a couple nights ago, I was asking like my body because I had just been kind of in this like fear mode and anxious mode and I was like well what do you need from me and really all I got was sunflowers and mm -hmm. I had kind of intuited certain things about that but then right after I was done my son wanted some sunflower seeds for his snack, which he never wants sunflower seeds for a snack. <laughs> the next day I went to my studio and all of a sudden I noticed these huge sunflowers out front that had been there for weeks, but like, I just <laughs> noticed them. Yeah. And then like a week later, there was a post, a really beautiful post about um, sunflowers and how it like brings lightness to, you know, like if you have, a bouquet of sunflowers in your home, like how that brings this joy and lightness to your day. And, and so all of those things and being patient for the information or the symbols to come like helped me in that moment. So anyway, flower essences and, and energy essences are just about like communing with the non-human world, trusting your intuition um, and just building this like richness and reverence for yourself and for the things around you, whatever you decide to make an essence of. Um, I had an idea recently too, with possibly in my program to make an essence of ourselves. Ooh. And like, because I really believe, and one of my teachers, Laura Valeda Vesta talks about how in any ritual, intention is like the most important thing the tools the candles the the incense the crystals like all of those things can be helpful but like your intention is the most important thing so 100%. i believe in making yeah these 
these essences, your intention. So I just thought it would be cool to like get to a point in the program where, or like outside of the program, you're, you, you're feeling a certain way that you want to come back to. And so you make an essence and then you have that like bottled up and you can go back to it. It's like a reminder. It's like a mini ritual for you to go back to when you need that reminder. So anyway, I love working with energy essences. I think they're great. And that's something that I would love to spread the word on more. Um, Yeah. Is that also a service that you offer? No, it's not. I mean, it was something I had in, I do integrate in some of, my offerings um but it's more like at the end of a tarot session you know there's an option of getting your own flower essence um i used to sell bottled essences but i would more like to i don't necessarily want to say teach but like yeah guide others into making their own, you know, or, or just at least having the knowledge around that and energy, um, and just kind of empowering themselves instead of like bottling up, bottling it up, which can be great. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. So if people want to follow you (laughs) and find out about all of this, Mm. what are your, what, where are you? What are your handles? (laughs) I'm usually, I mean, I do have a Facebook, but I'm mostly on Instagram at invisible practices. My website is invisiblepractices.com. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it. Yeah. And where do they go if they want to get that like flower essence, uh, the the mini ebook yeah. download yes um they can go to invisiblepractices.com and there's a little banner at the top that says like download your free um mini ebook pdf here and it says click here and you can click it and then it'll send it to your email that's so cool i have yeah i i just you since you mentioned sunflowers and we'll kind of like go out mm. on this mm-hmm. um I I have always had sunflowers popping up in my yard. Mm. <laughs> like one year they just came out the bird feeder, the birds weren't eating them and then they grew underneath the bird feeder. That's how. And so I started planting them. And then I found out from my other friend who um, her name is Suzanne Smith and she's been on the podcast as well um, mm. is a medium that sunflowers are the um, flower that supports mediums. And I was like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> this wow. is why they're growing around me. They're like, hello, Emily, we're here to support you. Things don't wow. have to carry. And also like creativity and joy. Mm. So Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, well, and yeah, like seeing them out in front of my studio, I was like, okay, this is where I get to be like, this is where I get to spend my time and be creative. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you, I, I essentially see creativity as channeling. Like when you're mm. making something, when you're creating something, you're channeling an idea um, or an inspiration yeah. into like physical reality. Mm. Even, mm-hmm. even if the physical reality is the vibration of, of sound, say yeah. in like a musical practice, which you do, mm. or, mm-hmm. you know, like something for the body, which you make, mm. it just which would also include cooking like it. Anyway, I'm yeah. going to go down a deep, deep <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> We're at the very end of the interview. So we'll kind of wrap it up, but awesome. thank you so much. Roxanne. Oh my gosh. Thank you. 
it really is a pleasure to have you here on the podcast and uh, for listeners to get to hear a little bit about your philosophy. It was such an honor to be here and yeah, very fun talking with you and yeah, thank you so much. Yes. Well, listeners, thank you so much for being here too. You can find all the links that Roxanne mentioned in the show notes. Oh my goodness. I hope you are feeling as inspired as I was after that conversation. I immediately went to my studio and started a new series of work. (laughs) Um, I'd love to hear what you got from this episode, uh, how you felt about it, if it uh, made you want to start painting or making again or helped you to think about your um, creative practice is something that is also connecting you to your own spiritual awareness. Um, So feel free to like and share the episode or to tag me at getting into it um, on Insta. If you particularly enjoyed this one, hope to hear from you soon. And of course, don't forget, you can find Roxanne and all of her links in the show notes. Have an amazing, creative, (laughs) and spiritual day. Mm